This is the Hard Parking Podcast, brought to you by NSX Channel on Instagram, your number one source of NSX content. This is your host, Jay Finning. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. If you're a returning listener, thank you for coming. It always makes me wonder who actually listens to the show because I have yet to receive one email. Hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. All one word. Questions, comments, send them. Just uploaded a video to YouTube reviewing the Joby vlogging kit. Because I'm using that now to go out and record videos for the podcast. Check me out on YouTube, Hard Parking Podcast. The following is a paid advertisement from Gabriel Hernandez. We had Gabriel Hernandez on the podcast a couple months ago. Talked about his comic book, Chingona, Border on Fire. Thing has gained a lot of traction. He's getting ready to release his second comic book. Check it out. Get involved. Back the project today on Indiegogo for Este Vato, the hitman story. The second comic to the Chingona, Border on Fire, released this year. Get involved. They have some great rewards at many pledge levels. Go to Indiegogo.com. Search the projects Este Vato, E-S-T-E-V-A-T-O. Watch the video on the campaign page. Make a pledge. Share with your social networks as well. Gabriel Hernandez with GH Comics is excited to bring you the second story to follow up the Chingona series, Border on Fire. Este Bato, a.k.a. The Dude, introduces you to the uprising of a young boy who moves to the ranks of the cartel world. They also introduce you to other villains as well, but the first nemesis and arch rival of Chingona is the infamous Este Bato. Learn more about the comic, the creator, the series, and how to get involved with this project. Offering some exclusive early bird discounts. Again, that's Este Bato. Hitman Story on Indiegogo. Go support today. A little bit about this show before we continue. This is the non-automotive automotive podcast. I try not to attack cars too deep unless I have a special guest like the one I just had the last episode, which is Matt the Motorator DeAndre. I urge you to go back and listen to it. He's Adam Corolla's right-hand man with a lot of the things that Adam Corolla does. If you don't know who Adam Corolla is, he's done more than just the man show. I urge you to look him up. Extremely successful. Blue collar. Coming up, we're going to have Jay's Rental Car of the Week. I have a special guest this week. We're also going to be joined by a friend of mine named Adam Mustafa. He's going to talk about window tent. There's a lot of questions out there about window tent. What should you get? What shouldn't you get? What matters? What doesn't matter? He's going to answer those questions. Well, you didn't submit the questions, but I'll make sure I ask him the right questions for you guys. And then we're going to be joined by Hire Solomon of Higher Quality Detail, one of the segment sponsors. We're going to talk about cleaning cars, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. Does the cleaner matter that you use for the color of your car? We're going to find all that out. But first, I'm going to talk about Father's Day. After Father's Day, I'm going to talk about what's going on in the social world between Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, the Atlanta shooting. Coming up. Last weekend was Father's Day weekend. Father's Day and Mother's Day. Not everybody has fathers, not everybody has mothers, so typically what I say is happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers out there and the fathers pulling double duty. And on Father's Day, I did the exact same thing. A lot of single parents, and some people just don't have any parents, but you have somebody. For me, around this house, Father's Day has always been second fiddle to Mother's Day, so I've always kind of taken a casual approach to it, like, hey, Dad, what do you want to do? I was like, eh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Whatever. We'll just cook out. But what I can say is that I've had some big Father's Days around here. They come through, man. Wife and kids, they come through big. That means they appreciate me. Sometimes that's all that matters. I tell you what, for me, Father's Day has become a little more special the last few years because a couple of Thanksgivings ago I had a scare. My mother called me the Wednesday before Thanksgiving 
and my father had suffered a stroke, heart attack, something, passed out. He was rushed to a hospital an hour away, specialist, because they live kind of out in BFE, and his heart wasn't working. He had a couple stents a few years ago, and they went to go to him, go put in new stents, and his heart isn't strong enough to support those stents. He was on, I don't know if they call it life support, Basically, his heart wouldn't pump on its own without the aid of a machine. So a very scary time. So after Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday, I hopped the flight that midnight. So I guess technically it, was, it would be Friday morning. And flew up to Minnesota and spent some time with my mother a few days. My father never regained consciousness while I was there. He eventually got a transplant and regained consciousness. But while I was there, I was just there spending time with my mother for a couple of days. And so now Father's Day has a special meaning for the relationship I have with my father because because I think I'm fortunate. I think I'm fortunate because a lot of people my age, I'm 44, they don't have both parents. They may have already lost a parents. They may be, they didn't have a parent at all. And so I feel like I'm playing with the house money. My parents are up there. But as a father to my son, Marcelo, and my daughter, Jaylene, it wasn't easy. They're my stepchildren. I never really call them my stepchildren, only legally. But they've always called me dad. They've never called me Jay. Really, if they ever call me stepdad, I expected it at some point and I didn't quite get it as bad from them as I dished it to my parents. Cause like I've said before, I'm adopted. I don't look like my parents at all, which makes life a little hard when you feel like nobody can identify with you. And my son has said to me more than once in the last few years, you know, why, why us? Why did you give up everything to raise us? The answer is I felt like I have an opportunity. I had an opportunity to make a difference to somebody other than myself. I felt life was bigger than me. If I truly love my wife, then I'll take on that mantle as father for the kids. Their father wasn't around. He tried to come around a little bit. I don't know him. Don't hate him. Don't know him. I've seen him once, but it was an opportunity, an opportunity to make a difference. And that's why I took it. And it hasn't been easy. It was tough. There were years where we were just butt heads. I would butt heads with Jaylene, the daughter, or butt heads with Marcelo. And my wife would freak out, and I told her it's normal. And I know it's normal because I've been there. I've butt heads with my father for two or three years because everybody wants to be the alpha. Oh, he used to get so mad. He would ask for help, and I would throw it right back at him. Do research, then come to me. Come to me with your research, and I'll help you take it to the next level. But I won't do the research for you. And my wife would get so pissed off. But over the years, you start to see the change in your children. You start to see the life lessons that you've taught them start to take shape. And it's gratifying. It's gratifying to know those struggles, those arguments, those door slams, those you don't understand what I'm going through moments. You know, you get past all that and you see the progress as they mature into young adults and move on with their lives. And it's worth it. It's always worth it because I remember those times. I remember those times I wanted to shove my daughter in a capsule and launch her into space. And I was okay with it. Like, all right, you know what? I'm done with you. You're out. <laughs> Never kicked the kids out because my wife wouldn't let me. I wanted to, but they're both great kids. And so as each Father's Day, from me to my father and even me to my children, it absolutely is more rewarding. My wife was always worried about the relationship I had with the kids. And I told her, it's, uh, it's never going to be as good between me and them as it is with you and them. There's a maternal connection there. I'm the disciplinarian. She is a disciplinarian, but she's also mother, so they get away with murder at times, but it's not the same. And for those of you out there that are dealing with this, you understand. If you've had a step-parent and 
your biological parent would always step in and wouldn't let the step parent do their job. You know, that happens. I didn't really have that here, but I got other pressures. So if I were to scold the kids, it was the end of the world. Like the, like my daughter, her world would just will collapse. She's never been good at explaining her position. And I always challenge the conversation. Marcelo was great at that. He's like debate class style. He wasn't in debate. I don't think he's in debate, but I've taught him over the years and he's an independent thinker too. If you go to him, if you come to him with a conversation, he will, he will challenge you. He will look it up and he'll, he'll have a conversation about it, right or wrong. And that's valuable, but they're each, they're each different. And there's no books on this. I tried to raise the kids the only way I knew how. If you're a parent out there, you have kids, or if you weren't the easiest on your parents growing up, regardless of all the parenting books, you do things the only way you know how. There's things I could have done better, things I should have done better, but it is what it is. Anything and everything I've ever gone through in life has brought me to the point, to the place that I am right now with them, with a career, with my relationships and other people, my relationships with my parents. It's all brought me to where I'm at right now. And that means something. It should mean something. So those of you who've been following me closely outside of the podcast on other social media may have noticed about a month ago, two months ago now, I unwrapped my car. I actually planned on doing it the following year, the following January, so January of 2019. But what happened was once I got contacted from a friend who showed me some guy in China was making copies of my car and selling them like they were exact copies as if someone shot my car with a shrink gun. And if you heard the Joseph Gatt interview, you heard the story, but I reached out and figured out a way to make it nice for everyone. I didn't ask for money. Instead, I asked, let me help the design of the packaging. I want my name on it. Jay Finnings, VF1S NSX. They complied. They offered to give me a free few ones. I think they gave me five. I ended up buying seven more to support them at a lower cost than what they were selling them for, but they were still basically at cost. I autographed some of them and sold them on my Facebook page for the car. But I decided to keep the wrap on for another year to kind of ride that out. It only made sense. Today, there's still people who can't believe I took the wrap off the car, but it was time. So in two years, three years, I've had two calendars featuring photographers that have taken photos of the car, offered that for sale, stickers out the wazoo, a miniature pin. So I had Hansel which is the guy who runs Lean's Customs. I've had him on the podcast, and we talked about his pinning. It's called pinning. So if you collect those little pins, you're a pinner. And how his pinning world just exploded. Not because of my car. My car was just one of the many early projects before his business just exploded. Now his pins, depending on what they are, I've seen them on eBay for close to $1,000. And I get hit up all the time in my DMs on Instagram for people asking if I still have any of my pins left because I controlled the flow. We bought 100 pins. He kept 20 to sell, and I kept 80 for my own use. And with those 80s, I gave mine away. Most of mine were given away to family, diehard supporters of the project, believers in me, and then promotional items when I go to car shows. Hey, come and find me. Ask me for a pin. I'll give you a pin. That was really the first time that I started signing autographs. And it's not like I sign autographs everywhere I go now. But when people would find me at car shows with the pen, they would ask for, for me to sign something because the car was larger than life. It was a straight injection into pop culture, automotive culture. 
And that's an experience that nothing that happens to me will ever change that because that is playing with house money. Never would I have imagined that the cartoon that I used to watch as a daydreaming teenager would inspire me to one day design a wrap for my dream car. It's just crazy. Like the people who run that company saw my car and they invited me to their studios. And I went out there, brought my family and showed them this is what I used to dream about. That's pretty freaking cool. Anyway, he said goodbye to the car. I have a video out there on YouTube. It is what it is. But it's time to move on. And I learned as a little kid, I was conditioned as a little child, I guess, to accept change multiple times. Maybe I'll get into it someday. But it's okay to accept change. And speaking of change, the George Floyd incident, I think, was the straw that broke the camel's back. People are tired. And if you're, if you're not used to listening to this show... One thing about this podcast is I don't talk about politics. I try not to talk about social issues. I want this podcast to be an escape, escape for people. Because usually when things are hot in the news, hot on podcasts, they're hot everywhere. And I try to avoid them, but sometimes you can't. And you also don't want to be on the wrong side of history. I remember I am on record of saying, what's the last protest that actually did anything? Because maybe I'm a pessimist. I mean, statistically, you can probably list the last... 400 protests, whether peaceful or not, and probably come out with less than five that actually made a change. But after George Floyd, the burning of the cities, whether it was Antifa, peaceful demonstrators, and just angry people, because I've seen videos, everybody's out there looting, rioting, breaking stuff out of anger, out of opportunity, out of protest for change. So everybody's out there. And that made a big difference. Now, I knew that they were going to bring that officer in once they felt like they had enough information to do it. Cause you want to be sure. And I think one thing that people become victim of is emotion. We live in a society where emotion is always first. As soon as that happened, arrest them for murder, arrest them for murder. That's emotion. You have to go through a lot of stuff to prove a murder, a lot of stuff to bring someone to trial. You can't just arrest out of emotion. And I know people out there are like, yeah, but people can kill out of emotion, right? That's okay. No, I'm not saying that's okay at all. But if you want to do a due process, you can't just grab somebody. You have to gather your information. You want to make sure whatever you charge these people with, and these people means anybody who commits a crime. Whatever you charge them with, you better have a good reason and a good feeling that it's going to stick. Otherwise, they walk. And once they walk, that's it. No, That's a missed opportunity. Can't do it again until you have enough. It's like this guy, the unfortunate incident outside of Atlanta at the Wendy's. One thing I heard about it is another innocent black man shot by police, unarmed. Hell of a headline. The headline's true. It absolutely is true, but there's more to it. And the vast majority of people are never going to look into it. We live in a headline-hungry society. We live in a cancel culture. Someone posted on Facebook the entire video on YouTube, an hour and 40 minutes long. Out of my curiosity, I decided to watch it. Eight minutes into that video, everything still seemed normal. And you got to see the perspective from the cop car in each of the officer's body cams. And you had the video from Wendy's. The security video was on the whole time. And then you have a handful of people in line who are curious, who are recording this whole thing. I don't know why it took so long. It got to 27 minutes before anything actually happened. But the first part of the video was perfectly normal. The guy was caught. He was caught red-handed. Within the first seven minutes, he was lying out of his ass and it was easy to tell. I don't know why they didn't give him a breathalyzer right then and there and take him in for public intoxication or under the influence. They couldn't let him drive. 
So a lot of people are saying, well, he wasn't doing anything wrong. He was parking. He wasn't going anywhere. How did he get there? A lot of people who are outraged have no idea. Because originally he said his girlfriend dropped him off. Although he never once tried to call her. Why would she drop him off knowing he was drunk at a Wendy's? But what really happened was he fell asleep in the drive-thru and Wendy's called 911. And the first officer who showed up woke him up and had him pull over into the parking spot. Name a police officer who would do that and just leave. Zero. Exactly. Because if you do that, it doesn't matter if the guy was black or white. If you do that and you leave the scene, you're directly responsible for everything that happens after. Or if the guy gets in his car and he falls asleep at the wheel and kills a family. Yeah, no. They're absolutely going to detain you. They're going to take you in. And you're going to spend the night in jail. So there's a lot of things that people got incorrect. Ultimately, what happened was incorrect. It was wrong on the police officer. And he deserves the burn for it. And he will. But everything was normal in the video. 27 minute mark in. They start to put the handcuffs on the guy. And then he starts fighting the cops. Like he's legit wrestling these officers. And they show it from each officer's body cam. They show it from the police cam. They show it from the surveillance. They show it from a personal video people are taking. These guys are flopping around. One of the cameras falls off the cop. He grabs the officer's taser. And they're having a tug of war about the, over the taser. Officer falls back and rolls. He starts wrestling with the other cop. They try to shoot each other with the taser. They're playing laser tag, not to make light of it. He shoots at the officer. And the officer's chasing him on foot. Officer dodges, pulls out his gun. Puts the guy down. As soon as that happened, you knew. You made a mistake, officer. You're done. That was not necessary, regardless of what just transpired. And you got to pay for it. And he will pay for it. The other officer didn't do anything wrong, really. Now, granted, when they showed on Fox Soul, I was watching, they were coming down with the accounts on both officers. And they came down with a whole bunch of things. All those anti-operating procedures. And you can't, you can't really fight those, but at the same time, what we do in our everyday lives at work, we are all guilty of doing things that we're not supposed to do based on HR. All of us. If you sit there on your cell phone and you're crushing social media, violation. You come in a minute late, violation. You come in five minutes early, violation. And it's not me comparing a death to you at work. It's me comparing the things that you could be held accountable for that are typically bullshit, but you know you could be held accountable for it. And that's what a lot of these charges on these two officers are. A lot of them are bullshit, but one thing is not bullshit is aggravated murder. As soon as he pulled that gun out, bad decision. Whatever happens next, on him. A thousand percent. Thousand percent. Because there was two scenarios that should have and could have happened. Scenario number one, the guy admits that he was burned because he was obviously not in the right state of mind. It was obvious from watching the video. Actually, the first part of the video was funny. Like, it was comical. It was like you're watching cops and you're laughing. The TV show that's canceled. He accepts the fact that he's defeated, goes to jail. That's it. He's done. The second outcome, let him go. After this tussle, you have everything you need. You have his name. You have his face all over everything. Guy gets away. Now he's got a warrant, two accounts of assaulting police officer, evading arrest, criminal mischief, under the influence, publicly. I mean, there's so many things. They could have thrown the book at him. Nobody has to die. Somebody died. Families are destroyed behind this. The officer who shot Officer Rolf, Rolf, Wolf, Rolf, his mother-in-law was fired from her job because of this. 
I don't know if she said something. She probably said something on social media because people are stupid. Don't post on social media out of emotion. I'm going to tell you that right now. This is why I try to avoid these topics on my show. This is a non-automotive automotive podcast. I haven't talked about cars yet. Oh yeah, I guess I did talk about my car. We used to have a section called, what are you obsessing about? Let me tell you what I'm obsessing about. I'm obsessing about video. I have two YouTube channels. My car channel, which is my name, Jay Finning, ran together, and then the Hard Parking Podcast. I bought a bunch of things. I did a DIY cake pan light, spent $66 on supplies to save $900 because the one that they compared to in the, in the main video that I got the idea from was $1,000. I'm happy with it, but that's what I've been obsessing about. Got a ND filter for my iPhone. Father's Day, I got a new GoPro because the other one flew off my car. Yeah, it's shattered, gone, dead. Bought a camera and I returned it before I ever used it because I realized it was the wrong camera. I could have used it, but it didn't satisfy my needs for what I wanted to do. Thinking in the future, not just right now. That's what I'm obsessing about. I'm obsessing about building my home studio. And I have a video, like I said, a DIY kick pan light. I have a vlogging kit, mobile by Joby that I posted. And then I'm also going to post a DIY for how to make these acoustic sound panels yourself. I guess that's what DIY means. The social media highlight of the week is sponsored by Kuya Automotive. They currently specialize in new and used NSX parts. NSX owners, hurry up and head over to kuyaauto.com, one word, K-U-Y-A-A-U-T-O.com and inquire about group buy special pricing. Right now, get in on the Pride Carbon Brake Ducts Awesome product from Pride Exhaust. Get $15 off your $200 purchase. Use code HARDPARKING, one word. That code is for the brake ducts only. Does not include shipping. That's Kuya Automotive, where big brothers looking out for you. This week's highlight is Adam from Aladdin's Window Tinting. Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I got that right, right? So today I want to talk a little bit about window tents, because there's a lot of people out there that don't really know how to take care of them. Which ones should they get? Should they get the, the super dark limo tent? And if so, they're terrified and some places are getting pulled over by the police or it's illegal in some places. You know, how do I stay cool in my car? For me, I was always taught that when I clean the, the windows that are tinted, I have to use special cleaners, like just basically soap and water because window cleaner would destroy them. So today let's, let's educate and kind of clear up some of the, the misconceptions and things that have changed over time. Yeah, definitely. The tent market has come a long way in the last five to 10 years uh, as far as like the products, the material that it's made out of, uh, how the care goes for it, so on and so forth. As far as uh, taking care of it, you can basically use anything you want on it, you know, just paper towel, microfiber cloth. Always encourage a good microfiber cloth. It helps, you know, leave less streaks, things like that. And then, uh, you know, whatever glass cleaner you have uh, will work uh, on the inside and outside. Obviously, the film always goes on the inside, but Back in the day, we were always told to, like you said, you know, stay away from certain products because it will ruin the film. Not really the case anymore these days. And that was mostly Windex because Windex had the pneumonia in it. So um, probably want to probably want to stay away from that anyways for health reasons. But uh, you can use it if you choose to. Uh, just key is just don't let it really dry on there. Just spray it on, wipe it off. So as the technology has changed over the years, the People used to think, and maybe that was the case back in the day before UV became a big deal to have a UV coating of protection. The darker tent I go, not only obviously the more privacy I'll have, which is obvious, but the the more I'll be protected from the heat 
in the sun and the UVs. That's not necessarily the case, though, is it? Not true at all anymore. I literally have clear films that will outperform the darkest films, which are known as the limo tints. For example, we have, well, we're back up. We've got five different product lines that we stock here in the shop. Um, we carry SunTech as far as brand goes, and then we also carry brands by 3M. 3M Crystalline is actually our top tier product that we have. And the nice thing with that film is that regardless of the shade you choose, you're actually getting a 97% infrared heat rejection. And that's the key thing that you actually want to look for as far as film goes in order to protect yourself from the heat is the infrared heat. That's what actually makes us hot. So the difference with like, let's say uh, my entry level film, which is a SunTech carbon film, it's not that it's an entry level film that's going to you know fail or turn purple or delaminate on you. It actually still comes with a lifetime warranty from the manufacturer. The difference with that film that the other films don't have is that it doesn't have any infrared heat protection. So that film is there mostly to just kind of give you that privacy and it is going to stop a little bit of heat, but not like the other films, you know, like crystalline that's stopping 97% of the heat coming through the window. What causes that? What? So I think about older tents, maybe DIY kits where people, they, they get the delamination, they get the bubbles in the rear. Like, is it just an install issue or is it like a cheap, cheap film issue or is it a combination of both? It can be a combination of both, but more times than not, it's usually a cheap film. Uh, for example, uh, we have Kimberl Electric uh, Company. We did all their company vehicles. They actually had them all tinted a year prior to coming to see us. And the install was actually pretty flawless. So kudos to the, the installer that did it. The problem is that their visor strips and their film turned literally clear within that one year. So it just faded. It didn't last. So those are your $99 complete tint jobs that you're going to go find. Whereas, again, the carbon film or any of the films that we carry are going to offer a lifetime warranty against turning clear, bubbling, delaminating or anything like that. Sometimes when you see the bubbles or if it's, you know, lifting off the glass and things like that, that can be an install error. Um, but it also, again, can go back to just having cheap film, especially our climate. People don't realize that our climate here in Phoenix is much different than anywhere else you're going to go. You know, it really is. And it's not just the heat thing. It's the dry thing. It's just everything. I remember when I first moved here six years ago. You can always tell, first off, to sidetrack people who live here versus people who are visiting. Because people who are visiting have no clothes on. And people who live here <laughs> are full covered head to toe. And I learned my lesson really quick because you can get burned out in this sun in 20 minutes. And I don't think there's anywhere else that's like that. Yeah, same thing like why you see construction workers in the middle of summer wearing long sleeves. You know, it's actually going to keep you a little bit cooler. And you're stopping, you know, the harmful UVs from hitting your skin that cause skin cancer, which kind of takes you back to the film. You know, they're all going to offer 99% UV protection, which is good. But the thing that we want to look for in our climate is, again, that infrared heat protection. Because if you don't have that, no matter how dark you go, you're always going to feel the heat on your arm. It's always going to be warm inside the vehicle. It's like the the, the super expensive windows that you get on your house. Uh, a lot of times you get what you pay for. And that kind of yep. brings me to the next point. So someone buys a new car and they want to get the window tinted. They come up to you guys. What sort of a price range are they looking for? Because you're not going to sell anything that's crap. We already know that. But from the basic to the top of the line, I assume that's crystalline. So let's take a, let's take like your old RX-7. Yep. What kind of pricing would someone look at just for the two windows in the back hatch and an inner glass if you do that? Like what would you typically do on that? So your entry level film is going to be your carbon film by SunTech, which is the one that doesn't offer any infrared heat protection. That's also the film that a lot of dealerships are going to actually use. So it's not, again, that they're using a cheap film. They're just using something that doesn't filter out infrared heat. For like a coupe, for any coupe vehicle, you're going to be looking at about $199 for install on that. And then it's going to go all the way up to $549 for the 3M crystalline. 
And so a lot of people are probably making their, their decision somewhere in the middle, like, okay, well, I want to get tinted. Like how many people want to come in, they get tinted, and once you tell them, okay, you're blocking the UV, but you're not blocking the heat, you might want to pay a little more. How many people actually dig into their pocket and decide to pay more for either the crystalline or what? The, what's the middle grade, ceramic? Ceramic was our top tier. There was actually one in between that SunTech offers called Carbon XP. So that one does start to filter out uh, infrared heat rejection in the 70s. And then once you get into the ceramic, so the CIR foam by SunTech, you're into the mid to high 80s. Um, so there are a couple options there, again, depending on your budget. Versus 97 um, for the crystalline. Correct. But even from 85 to 97, it's a nine day difference as far as the heat goes. And before it was always, you know, explaining the numbers and, you know, this is stopping this amount, this amount, and it kind of gets jumbled up in your head when you have all these different figures, right. numbers, you know, being spit at you. So what we actually have now in the showroom that helps everybody based on their budget and, you know, what they want to spend is a, is a heat demo. So when you actually come into the showroom, you can feel what the different films are doing from the base entry film all the way up to the 3M crystalline. And then you have an educated decision that you can make based on, you know, how much heat you want to stop and what is in your budget. Makes it kind of a hard thing to not do. Yeah, everybody kind of has their mind made up. You know, they just want to go dark with the carbon film and save some money. And then they come in and feel it. And then they, about 90% of the people will upgrade into a different film. Yeah, because when you're driving and that sun is beaming right on the side of your head, no amount of regular, you know, <laughs> tent, whether it's 5% or whatever, is going to help you unless you have the IR. Exactly. Like even when I had my, my RX-7, I had my tent, you know, on the sides and back. Personally, I'm over that whole dark look. I hate, you know, not being able to see out at night and obviously worrying about, you know, being pulled over. Hey, 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 I have we dark pulled tent. all that off. I have dark tent. Hey, Just calm down. Well, it looks like you need to come in and see us. It sounds I'm like it. No, no. It sounds like maybe I should. <laughs> uh, but I pulled all that off and I actually put 50% on my sides and my back from crystalline. And then I also did the windshield in a clear film, um, which you can do um, as well, since your windshield is the biggest piece of glass for you as a driver. Um, we'll stick a clear piece on the whole windshield, you know, and then you can still do your visor strip or whatever if you want to. But that in itself is what is a big game changer. A lot of good information for you listeners out there. We're, we're talking to Adam from Aladdin's Window Tent. How can they get a hold of you on Instagram or, or your website? Uh, on Instagram, Aladdin's Window Tinting. We do have a website as well, just aladdinswindowtinting.com. We're located in the West Valley. So we're right off of uh, the 101 in Cactus, basically 91st Avenue Cactus. Um, or you can give us a shout. We're basically here almost <laughs> seven days a week right now. Um, we are booking out a couple weeks because obviously we're going into the warmer weather. So if you do want to look at getting some film or upgrading your film, um, just give us a call and we'll get you on the schedule or shoot us a DM. And for those of you outside of the, the Phoenix area, contact your local installer. Or take the information you've learned today here from Adam and walk in with the with the education. Blow them away. Get it done. It's worth it. I think I'm going to upgrade mine. I mean, my, my tent job a couple of years ago made a big difference, but there sounds like there's a lot of room for improvement. Yeah, there's there's plenty of different films to choose from. There's even brands outside of SunTech and 3M, you know, Matico and things like that. There's other companies that still offer good film. This is just, you know, what we like and what we've had good success with. You know, we don't really have any warranty work coming back um, or anything of that nature. And as far as like the looks go, we like how these films perform and look. But again, we're on the West Valley. So like he said, if you are calling around and shopping for a company, make sure that if you live in Phoenix, you're looking for a film that has infrared heat rejection. You know, that's the key thing in order to stop heat. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me, Jay. Appreciate it.
Again, I want to thank Adam for stopping by, taking the time to talk about window tinting. Again, if you're out there and you're, you've been curious because window tinting has changed a lot and you don't have to be a car person to appreciate that last segment. Just everybody who buys a car typically wants to get their windows tinted. They want to get it tinted because it looks good, want to get it tinted for privacy, want to get it tinted for the sun. So somewhere in those factors is a perfect formula. So go out there, find a local installer, make sure they have, everybody has UV protection, make sure they have infrared protection, IR, if you want to keep the heat out. Adam's contact information for his company will be in the description of the podcast as well. Time for the Builder's Corner segment sponsored by DressUpBolts.com. Follow them at DressUpBolts.com on Instagram and visit them at DressUpBolts. They have titanium bolts that not only vastly improve the look of your vehicle, but serve a purpose as well. Available to dress up the engine and engine bay. They have kits ready for your specific application. Go and pay them a visit. Browse a little. Let them know the Hard Parking Podcast sent you. Use code HARDPARKING, one word, and save 10% today. Today's Builder's Corner is Hire Solomon of Higher Quality Detail. They actually sponsor one of our other segments, the Rental Car of the Week. Hire, thank you for taking the time. Welcome to the Hard Parking Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. I want to ask you some questions. There's a lot of people out there that are just, they don't really know what to use to clean their vehicle. They don't know the value of this rag versus that rag. And I use a, just some plain old shop towel. Mm-hmm. So we've known each other for five years or so, but I don't know where you started. How did you get into detailing and taking care of cars and, and your business that expanded the way it has now? Because when I met you, I got the Ceramic Pro done on my NSX. God, it was 2015, I want to say. Had to have been 15 because yeah, I had the yeah, gold probably. wheels. And you've yeah. since moved, expanded, yeah, it's and been about five years. <laughs> yeah, you've moved and expanded, and you're just you're just blowing up. So, where did all this come from? Like, when did you get into it? You know, uh, I started getting into it probably around the age of like fourteen or fifteen. Um, yeah, I just I found washing cars just really fun, and it just kind of became a hobby. And, you know, I feel like this is kind of how a lot of detailers start out, and then, you know, you start working on your, your friends' cars and your neighbors' cars and all your family's cars. And, uh, you know, YouTube was my best friend. You know, I was trying to learn as much as I could from YouTube and started buying all these different products and got my first Walmart orbital polisher. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Like looking back, I definitely didn't do anything, but, uh, you know, uh, it's important to, to start like that and because it, it really gives you an appreciation uh, once you, you know, when, you, when you're starting with all of the, all of the basics and just kind of learning everything as you go, it was just really rewarding. As time went on, you know, I started, I started actually using real polishers and rotary buffering, uh, rotary buffing, uh, wet sanding vehicles and, you know, then ceramic coating technology came and, you know, then everything else. Uh, we just kind of added along the way. Who are some of your bigger influences? Like when you go to the YouTube channel, are all those people still around or some of them passed? Were you, I mean, were you watching yeah, Ammo? Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's who I was just about to mention. So I would say Ammo and my NYC was definitely my biggest influence. And if, if anyone out there that's listening to this is looking to get into detailing, I always refer uh, them to his videos. He he has a really awesome way of like keeping people interested. You know, even if you know nothing about detailing, uh, his videos are so interesting. He's a really great guy and he'll, he'll really break down like the science of, of how everything works and why it's effective. Um, so he's, he was a huge influence for me. Kevin Brown, 
Uh, he's just an absolute pain correction master. So he was a huge influence for me as well. Those were probably like the two biggest, uh, two biggest guys that I would just watch all the time. So what have you discovered in the last eight to 10 years doing what you're doing when it comes to quick detailers? Um, in your experience, are there some that are on the same level? Does one or two shine like truly above or does it matter? I guess what I'm getting at is, does it really matter what you use to the granularity that the average person thinks it does? Yeah, most definitely. There, There is a, a big difference in a lot of products out there. But on the other end of the spectrum, you know, there's a lot of products that are just relabeled, you know. And so, uh, you know, sometimes you're buying one product from one company and it's it's a certain color. And then you're buying another product from another company that's a different color, but they're both the same product. And so that that's kind of a big confusion in the industry because there's only so many chemical suppliers in the world. And so for these smaller detailing companies that, that uh, are selling chemicals, you know, they're just not to the point where they can have their own chemical distribution and their own custom chemicals. So a lot of it is just relabeling, you know, all, obviously all the big names in the industry, those guys are going to have their own like chemical manufacturing and engineering. But um, a lot of the stuff out there is, is definitely relabeled. So, but kind of back to the question of, uh, you know, what I have found. So, you know, firstly, you have to you have to ask is the car ceramic coated or is it not ceramic coated because that's that's going to change you know what type of quick detailer you use so for for a ceramic coated car i love the adams waterless wash because it's just really highly lubricated it's it's really safe for doing dust downs and and doing all your touch-ups after a wash or or spraying it you know spraying it off before like a, a meet or a show now that's definitely my favorite one out of the hundreds and hundreds that i've used over the years as for a regular detail spray, Superior in Car Care released a new product recently that I have absolutely loved. This is a silica detail spray. So it's a lot better than a wax. And silica detail sprays actually work with coatings because that's what most coatings are, are made from. And so it's called Amplify Detail Spray. For those of you who don't know, Superior Image Car Care is a local company, so you can get this locally. This is one of the best detail sprays that I've come across. It is incredibly slick and smooth and glossy, and uh, it even beads water pretty well for just a spray-on you know, application. So I, I've been a big fan of that product. We're talking to Hire Solomon of Higher Quality Detail out of Tempe, Arizona. So by local, he's referring to the greater Phoenix area. Can we go back for a second? You had mentioned something called dust down for our listeners. Can you kind of explain what mm -hmm. that is? I have a feeling I know what exactly what that is, but some of our listeners may not. Yeah. So like when, when I'm talking about a dust down, it's essentially, you know, you're, you're spraying the car down with a, like a detail spray or a waterless wash uh, and taking a few microfiber towels and wiping it down. Now uh, there's, you know, a lot of things that you need to know to actually do a proper wipe down. So First off, you have to identify, is the car too dusty for a wipe down? If it's been a few days and there's a pretty thick layer of dust on there, you probably don't want to do that. The reason being is because dust is like microscopic rocks. And so, you know, even though you're using a detail spray or a waterless wash, uh, lubrication is only going to help you so much. And so now this is where swirl marks are going to come from because you're going to be wiping down the car with, with all this super thick dust. and and then that's just going to start introducing these little micro scratches over time. So uh, what I do 
since since our cars are ceramic coated, what I do is I take an air compressor, uh, or we have these little nifty sidekick blasters that we get from Adams, and it's essentially a little handheld air compressor. So you can blow off uh, most of the dust on the car, and uh, that way you're you're at least getting like a large percentage of dust off there and making it a lot safer to then follow through with uh, a waterless wash. Um, you know, and then, but if the, if the car is, is pretty dirty, then you definitely want to do an actual hand wash on it. So let's say you're out in the field, you're at a car show, which you guys attend every mm-hmm. once in a while, and you obviously don't have yeah. a full kit with you. I'm guessing you're going to use on your vehicles, the Adams waterless wash. How many? Correct. So I can see you guys, when you leave your shop and you go to the show, your cars are probably already clean, but when you get there, you're going to want to wipe them down. How many rags do you exactly. bring with you? And by rags, I mean microfiber towels. Are you bringing all the same bright yellow ones? Or do you have a different microfiber towel depending on what you're cleaning? Yeah. I mean, ideally, we use those uh, Kirkland's uh, yellow microfiber towels. Those are the best thing for your buck for just like standard detailing and wipe downs, wheel cleaning, interior cleaning, glass cleaning, all that good stuff. So, because when, when you break it down, those are only about 40 cents a towel. And so, when, when a towel gets too dirty, you can throw it away and not feel bad. But I, ideally, you definitely want to have, I would say, at least four towels to do that uh, just in case. So I, I flip sides every single panel, and I always start with the tops of you know the, the top-facing panels and kind of above the body line. Uh, and then I always do the lower facing uh, or the lower panels and bumpers last because those, those are going to be the dirtiest, you know. Uh, but when you when you properly fold the towel, you'll have eight sides to it, and uh, so you'll have you'll have four sides on on one part of it, and then another four on the other. So when you're when you're moving panel by panel, you always want to be flipping your towel, and that way you're not like cross contaminating and bringing that dust that you just removed from one panel onto the next one. What about wheels? Wheels, you definitely you know you want to to do those last and. Uh, this is definitely also going to depend on what kind of finish the the wheel is. So if the wheels are mostly clean, then yeah, the waterless wash is going to work really great on that. Obviously, you know, if your wheels are like silver or chrome or, you know, something like that, where you just can't really see a lot of stuff on there, then uh, there's, there's not a need to use like an over, you know, or an excessive amount of product on there. You know, that's a great point. You, were just, you just brought up about the chrome wheels. I never thought about that, but I'm just kind of conceptualizing it as you say it. If your chrome is that dirty, you need to have a chrome cleaner because no amount of detail spray is yeah. going to help you there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we like the the Adams. Adams has a really good metal polish, and uh, that works really great for shining up chrome or polished lips. I don't think Adam Patel is going to be listening to this podcast. <laughs> no, Probably I know. Not. I know you guys have been pushing Adams for as long as I've known, and it's for a good reason. You're not going to push it unless you believe in it. No, yeah, exactly, man. And that's why we got to where we are. I only offer products that we believe in and that we stand behind. Like, for example, Meguiar's <laughs> Wireless Wash was something that I think we all used to live with for a while. And there's another product yeah. that I, I remember about five years ago, it was all the rage. And I want to say it's No Wash. Maybe it's called just Op- No. Optimum, is your optimum No Rinse. Optimum No Rinse. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we used to use that too. And it's honestly a great product. It still is, you know? Yeah, so that's out there. So if you're listening, you want to wash your car down. If you don't have a, if you just, if you're at home, that's when you use it. You can't take it on the road with you because you pour a cat full in a giant five gallon bucket or whatever you're using, and you really should use the two buckets 
Did you did you ever do the uh, two bucket wash method? So oh, we we do that on a non ceramic coated car, but we have we have created our own like touchless wash system for ceramic coated vehicles. So ideally, um, you know, I kind of have this belief that the more or the, the less you touch a vehicle, the better it's going to look. And uh, you know, all those ceramic coatings are durable. Uh, you know, there, there's too many there's too many like elements that that can interfere or or cause damage. You know, it could be something as simple as like uh, one of your towels fell on the ground and, and you didn't notice and, uh, you know, it picks something up and you take it to a vehicle or, or your wash mitt got something in it. Uh, you know, there, there's just, there's so many different things. And so, uh, you know, we have all of these different tools and technology now that allow us to clean vehicles much more efficiently than, than we could years ago. And so uh, essentially we're just doing a, a rinse down with a pressure washer. And, uh, and then we foam the vehicle using a foam cannon. Uh, we have a couple different types of, of soaps that we use depending on like how dirty the vehicle is or what type of contamination it has, uh, or if it's ceramic coated. Yeah. And I can, I can tell you bringing my car in and having it washed by you guys. I have yet, even though it's ceramic coated, I have yet to replicate that type of cleanliness when I take it home. So, <laughs> and I haven't had to deal with that in a few years and I'm dealing with it again. And I'm telling you. It sucks, especially having a black car. <laughs> so again, we're talking to Higher Solomon. <laughs> yeah, we're talking to yeah. Higher Solomon of Higher Quality Detail out of Tempe, Arizona. So I'm Joe Schmo. I'm Susie Homemaker. I don't have a ceramic coated vehicle. Most people out there don't have a ceramic coated vehicle because they don't really. It's kind of one of those luxury items that makes sense if you really if you're really into it. But if you're not, then it's kind of hard to convince somebody. If I want to just start washing mm-hmm. my car, I'm tired of going to the wash bay. Should I just Go to one of those cobblestone style drive throughs and pay 20 bucks and just sit in the lobby and have them take care of it? Or should I go out and buy some stuff and do it myself? And if so, what are the basic things I need to get out there and start washing my car today? So, I mean, ideally, it depends on how much you love your car, you know? <laughs> so, uh, I can I can tell you, um, so I used, to, I used to work at a cobblestone before I started my detailing company. I was the assistant manager in the detail shop. And uh, worked there for probably about a year. And I can just tell you that um, the people working on your car at Cobblestone most of the time don't give a shit. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you're, they're just using terry cloth towels that are recycled and used on hundreds of vehicles a day. Uh, no, one, no one's putting, you know, the time and effort and care into a vehicle. Um, it's just, it's all about volume there, you know? Um, so you definitely, you know, you're better off going to like a self-serve wash. Like I know, uh, a lot of our customers, they might live in apartments or, or areas with like restricted, you know, wash regulations. And so the, the self-serve washes are really nice. Um, the only thing you never want to use in a soft or the self-serve is the brush on the wall. I was going to say those can be kind of dangerous. Oh yeah, most definitely. So, um, what some people will do is uh, they'll use the self-serve, but they'll bring their own bucket and their own wash mitt and, you know, just use like the soap there and, and the, the chemicals that they have, um, which are all, which are all fairly good. You know, they'll, they'll do the job and, and get the car clean, but you definitely want to bring your, your own bucket and wash mitt for that. So, uh, but if, if someone is wanting to, to do a wash at home, they're wanting to get like a nice setup. Uh, there's plenty of different companies out there that offer these 
starter wash kits that, that are really helpful. Ideally, you want to have two buckets uh, to do a two-bucket wash method. Um, there's these little nifty tools called grit guards that go in the bottom of these buckets. And this is, this is what allows you to do a much safer hand wash because these grit guards, what you do is after every panel that you're, that you're wiping with the wash mitt, uh, you're going to dunk it back in the, the water and, and scrub it at the bottom of this grit card. And that is going to take the dirt and the dust in the wash mitt and, and trap it in this grit card. That way it's just not contaminating your buckets and, and you're not just, you know, smashing it into uh, your, your other uh, panels that you're washing. So as far as what you need though, I highly recommend a pressure washer. You know, it, it truly does just speed up the process so much you can even use like an $80 Ryobi electric pressure washer at, at Home Depot. Pair that with a foam cannon, uh, then then you're set. You know, once the car is foamed up, you want to be taking your wash mitts and kind of doing what I was talking about earlier. I do all the the, the top sections first and, and above the body line. Right, top to bottom. And I'm doing my – exactly, yep. yep, top to bottom. And, and just make sure every panel, you know, you're – you're uh, cleaning your wash mitt out. As far as drying goes, I'm not big on towel drying. I mean, there are some, I'm sure everyone gets a Facebook ads of all these like super absorbent towels and, the absorber. and stuff like that. I know a lot of car people that do. So there, there are some good ones out there. Like I, uh, we use some from a company called Redline Detailing. They're, uh, they're, uh, they're another local company here that makes really great towels. Um, Adams has some really great drying towels as well. I wanted to say one one more thing, you know, because a lot of people think that ceramic coatings are expensive. And, you know, although like the really high end stuff, uh, it can definitely get up there, um, you know, like anywhere from like one to three thousand dollars. But uh, there's also a lot of really awesome cost effective coatings that that many people don't know about because there's there's so much hype around all the high end stuff. But, you know, one thing that we do a lot of, we call them sport packages, and it's, it's a one-year coating for, uh, for 200 bucks, you know, for like sedans and coupes and 250 bucks for trucks and SUVs. And this, its coating is made up of titanium dioxide, so it's, it's super durable. It's really hydrophobic. Uh, it's crazy glossy, and, and it, 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 gives that, it gives the consumer, you know, a super cost-effective option of having an easy-to-clean vehicle and protected vehicle. And although it's not crazy long-lasting, you know, for someone who is on a budget, they do that once a year and, you know, you're going to spend about the same or maybe a little more than, than a really nice wax, but, uh, you're getting much better performance and much better protection. Got time for a couple of questions. I asked the Instagram world, so I have yeah. a, a handful of them for you. So thick SRT asks, what's the best method to prevent pad buildup when polishing? So, um, for people who don't have access to an air compressor we use a rupes like pad brush and so you know after after every like one or two panels this this brush essentially allows you to like once the compound like heats up and and becomes like non-oily it's it's going to it's going to create all this dust that's that's gunking up your pad you can clean it out with with this brush which is pretty effective like you you run the machine and just put the brush over it and uh, you'll definitely be seeing the dust fly out. Is there a home ghetto fix for that if they don't go out and get the Rupes 
So uh, if they do have an air compressor, you know, even the little guns that you put on the air compressor, like the standard uh, little nozzle. Yeah, exactly. I yep. mean, that's, that's going to do better than a brush would, you know? Got it. So Andy Kugler asked how long, well, you kind of answered this earlier in a sense, but think about back in the day or just think about the average everyday person. Also in regards to the Kirkland microfiber towels, Pro tip, rip the tag off first. All right, so he asked, oh, yeah. how, <laughs> how long do you keep your microfiber or washing towels before you replace them? Um, you know, we, we go through like a cycling process with our towels. Um, and they the kind of, you know, when you're doing this as a business, I mean, you got to, it's, it's all about cost. And, and so you got to right. make them last as long as possible while like maintaining quality standards. And so... Ours start off as brand new, which we will use for paint correction and coatings. And that's pretty much all those are used for. And then once they have been used for that and they get washed, they'll become glass towels, interior towels, wheel towels. God, we just, and then when you're done with them, you donate them to cobblestone? Like <laughs> we just throw them away. <laughs> Catherine asks, what's the best way to clean a convertible top? I don't have to detail a lot of like dirty convertible tops. Um, you know, I, as you know, I have owned a few convertibles and I've always actually, normally I don't like over the counter products, uh, but, uh, Grios makes a really good convertible top cleaner. That's worked out really well for me. And I, I just, uh, I get the top wet and I, I spray, I kind of just douse the whole top in this, this Grios product. And, uh, for, for people who don't know, um, it's, Spelled Griot's Garage, but they they pronounce it Grios, uh, just in case anyone's confused on that. And uh, I use a little horsehair, um, like a real soft, like horsehair brush, and just kind of mm-hmm. massage uh, massage the cleaner in, and then just rinse it down with a pressure washer from a few feet away. And uh, and then I I just air dry it, you know, with compressed air. Final question comes from Jupiter Fish, Dwayne up in Michigan. What's the best brake dust protection? So I, I mean, the best oh, ceramic coating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, without <laughs> a doubt, man. So, uh, that's, that's going to be the answer to a lot of your car cleaning issues is, is ceramic coating for sure. All right. Somebody's itching to take a bath and that isn't me. Hi, I want to thank you for joining <laughs> the hard parking podcast. So if people need to reach yeah. you, they can reach you at, you know, and I tell them all the time, they're going to hear it later on. This is, so this is higher from higher quality detail in Tipe, Arizona. And it's higher H Y E R his name. How else can they reach you? Uh, they can call me or text me on my cell at 480-703-7217. Or you guys can check out our website, higherqualitydetail.com. Uh, we're also really active on our social media pages. So, on Instagram, we're Ceramic Pro Arizona, all spelled out one word, uh, or just higher quality detail on Facebook. And so there's plenty of ways to get in contact with us. And uh, Or you guys can always just swing on by our facility. We've got a 10,000 square foot facility in Tempe. And uh, we love having people come by and, and see all the sweet cars that we're working on. We're really proud of our facility and we'd love to give you a tour. Thanks, Hire. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I want to thank Hire Solomon again for stopping by. If you want to get a hold of him, visit him at Higher Quality Detail. Check out their Instagram, Ceramic Pro of Arizona. Coming up, Jay's Rental Car of the Week. 
time for the rental car of the week sponsored by higher quality detail out of tempe arizona specializes in premium vehicle protection solutions and cosmetic customizations as your one-stop shop ranging from basic detailing options through ceramic coating paint correction protection films and more visit ceramic pro arizona one word on instagram or higher quality detail also one word online that's h-y-e-r and get started looking your best today Today, our guest is Wendy, who just recently rented a 2020 Audi Q5 Quattro. Wendy, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. We know each other from the car world, and when I saw you post your Audi, I was like, oh, hell yeah, someone who can come on and talk about the rental car. So, what did you rent the car for? My car is being serviced at the body shop, so I got a rental car, and they offered this one, and I took the Audi, of course. So it was like a, a like a dealership loaner or something that happened to your car, and you got it through insurance or something like that? Well, I ran over a cone. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> got to watch out for those cones. Those cones yeah. will fuck your shit up. They will. <laughs> it looked like you were still in town, but what did you guys do with it? Yeah, so we went up and uh, decided to take it off, go out to... Uh, Lake Pleasant, and and it did really good. It's got this off-road button that you hit. It's all-wheel drive, so we went all the way out towards like where the jeeps go off-roading. Parked it up on the hill and walked down and played in the water. But it did awesome, and the I was really shocked on how good it did off-roading. We actually took it um, off-roading even more. Because my buddy, he uh, got into an accident and rolled his Jeep. So we went out to his crash site and it did really impressive there too. Because like, this is made for, you really shouldn't have taken that out there, but it did really good. Yeah. So it's capable. Oh yeah. It's definitely capable. Right. Because when we think of the Audis, I mean, they're Quattros and we see the videos of them plowing through the snow and stuff, but it's usually the cars and you see the SUVs and it's always on the street. Right. So we thought we would test it out and it did really good. How many of you guys went out there? Uh, there was four of us that went. You have a bunch of stuff with you? Um, yeah, we had all the lake stuff, raft, cooler chairs, cooler. How was the storage for, for four people? It was Even pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Pretty good. Yeah. We had four, four of the reclining chairs or what are those fold out chairs, an ice chest, um, a bucket with all the lake stuff that we have and then us four my kids are adults 18 years old is my son and his girlfriend so we all sat comfortably in it how many white claws were in the cooler uh i've seen none (laughs) (laughs) darn (laughs) for once the first time going to the lake and not having alcohol (laughs) oh but that sucked no but um What were you most impressed with about the vehicle that maybe you didn't expect? The torque that it has. I am really impressed with that. You give it gas and it takes off. Really impressive for, you would think an SUV, you know, it's their heavier vehicles. Right. But you you smash on the gas and it goes. Yeah, so that one comes in at a 7.9 out of 10, according to Edmunds. Three and a half stars out of five. I remember liking it a lot, too. Um, I don't remember too much about it, but for me, as I've said on my podcast, it has CarPlay, which is a big deal for Audi for 2020 because in past years, if you wanted anything remotely decent, you had to pay extra for it. Meanwhile, you can go down the street and get a Hyundai that has everything you need. So I always thought that was bullshit. So they kind of stepped their game up this year. 
Well, I think they did because it does have that. And then it even has like a charging that you just place your phone on this, uh, like what covers the cup holders. It's like oh, yeah, a little... It's the pad, right? It's got a charging yeah. pad integrated. Yeah, I knew some vehicle I had had that. Yeah. That, that thing was pretty sick. I put my phone down and all of a sudden the screen says, your phone is charging. I'm like, what? <laughs> no, that's so, cool. Yeah, and, that um, was pretty you, awesome. Do you have an Android? I do. Yeah. So it has that too then. So the premium, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, is what you had because it comes in three trends, premium, premium plus, and prestige. And even the premium has the Android auto integration as well as the Apple CarPlay. Was there anything about the vehicle that you didn't like? The body roll. It does have a lot of body roll in mm-hmm. the turns. So far, the only thing I did not like about it. Do you, did you notice if it had a sport mode? It does have a sport mode. I wonder if the sport mode kind of tightens up the the suspension on the body roll. I mean, obviously, it was a deal alone, but let's say you go to rent a vehicle on vacation and there's an Audi Q5 sitting out there and it doesn't cost you any extra. Would you be like, I want that vehicle or would you go for something else? No, I would probably take that vehicle. <laughs> it's fun. And it looks nice. And, and you're rolling like, around, you're yeah. like, hey, yeah. I got an Audi. Yep. Never mind like- <laughs> the, the UPC code on the, on yeah. the window. <laughs> Let me cover that real quick. <laughs> if people want to get a hold of you, um, how can they reach you if they wanted to follow you on social media or anything? My Instagram, it's uh, Sweet and Low. It's S-W-T-N-L-O. So Sweet and Low Jetta. <laughs> yeah. 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 Jetta. Well, you bailed me out this week. I, I can tell you that. Because typically what I've had to do is kind of reach back and think about a vehicle that I rented at some point in the past. It's always good to get a perspective of somebody else who's rented the same vehicle that's actually used it for things other than going back and forth to work. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining. No problem. No problem. Anytime. It's time for everybody's favorite segment, the Q&A segment sponsored by Last Air Brand Motorsports Clothing. Celebrate and represent the last era of great cars. We're talking about the 80s and 90s or whatever you truly think is the last era. Follow that on my Instagram at lastairbrand, one word, or go shopping at lastairbrand.com. Tell them the Hard Parking Podcast sent you. Let's see what we got. I should do this old school Jim Rome style. I realize there's a significant subset of you who will have no idea what I'm talking about. So, do you know of 214, which is Dorian... Which, by the way, shout out to Dorian again. He's the one who converted my VHS cassettes. Remember, last episode I talked about rummaging through my old pile of crap and finding a bunch of VHS videos. So he converted them. He sent them back. I watched them. Those things are full of gold. Old videos of me dunking the basketball. I used to have hops. So Dorian asks, he actually asked me two questions. What's my favorite non-alcoholic beverage? And what's my favorite cologne or smell? Well, we'll go with non-alcoholic beverage first. I'm going to have to say it's coffee. I drink coffee all day. And as of a year ago, because it used to just be drip coffee, used to be, what's the coffee at Starbucks? Uh, Pike roast, which is a medium roast. Typically, when I can expense it, in the morning, I pick up a Cafe Americano Vente, which is the largest you can get at Starbucks. And in the afternoon, for my afternoon break, I also pick up a Cafe Americano. Other than that, it's all alcohol. Alcohol, coffee, and every once in a while, I'm mixing a little water. My favorite cologne or smell, I'm going to say Isi Miyake. That became essentially my official smell. I went through CK1, CKB. Um, no, I think that was really it. That's all I used to ever wear. It's CK1, CKB, Isi Miyake. So probably for 10 years, I wore Isi Miyake. And it's one of those, those fragrances. So if you don't know much about perfume cologne, 
It smells different on each person a little bit. Also, if you're walking around and you can smell yourself, that means you're way too strong for the room. Remember, I used to sell that shit. I used to sell that shit on that travel job that I talked about on the Willie T. Ribs episode. And I said I would bring stories up about that job, and I haven't touched on it since. So here's one of those stories. Actually, you're not getting a story because it's a Q&A. But I know a little bit about fragrances. And it was East Miyake. That was my official scent. So people knew it was me. But I don't wear anything anymore because my mother-in-law is allergic to strong, any smell, pretty much. Smoke, fragrances, whatever. So ever since I met my wife and started dating her, so we've been married for 16 years, going on 17. Are we going on 16? What's the math? 2004, 16. Yeah. But it's <laughs> it's been about that long since I've worn cologne on a regular basis. Every once in a while, I'll have a little bit of Isi Miyake, which by the way, fragrances do go bad. But that's it. It's Isi Miyake. I-S-S-E-Y-M-I-Y-A-K-E. That's my fragrance. That's the official fragrance of Jay Finney, Isi Miyake. Patrick asks, which is thick underscore SRT, which current production vehicle 2000 plus do you think will be one of the most desirable? I'm assuming he's talking about in the future. For me, this is easy. It's going to be the NC1 NSX, which is what us NSX people call it. Everyone else just refers to it as the air quotes, new NSX. Here's the reason why I say that. Regardless of what you thought about the price when it was introduced in 2017, you're paying for your buck. People are calling that an affordable Porsche 918. It's full of so much technology. And a Porsche 918 is what, $800,000, $900,000 million? And as those prices decrease over the next couple of years, they're going to become your best bang in the buck. And much like my NSX, the first gen, people didn't love them as much as you think they loved them. People liked them. They were, oh, that's a poor man's Ferrari. Oh, that's an overpriced Corvette. It wasn't for many years where people actually really started appreciating the NSX, the style that I have. And after you put lipstick on them and make them look pretty, get their hair done, get their nails done, get them the expensive shoes, and you trot them out to the club, everybody wants to fuck them. That's my NSX. You see those comparison photos. Which would you rather have? Old NSX or new NSX? And every time you see the old NSX, it's like a dolled up version like mine. And you see the bone stock new NSX. You know what he posted in the picture of a 1991 bone stock Acura NSX with the fat five homie chromies, 15 inch wheels in the front, 16 in the back. But that's one car. All you have to do, get its hair done, wipe the sleepy out its eyes, go get a professional makeup job. Everybody's trying to hit it at the club. And the new NSX is going to be the same way. Chavos asks, which is my friend Chris, Chavos underscore NSX. What's a quote you live by and how do you apply it to your everyday life? I thought about this for a minute too. And I think I've said this before on a past podcast. But the answer for me is the same wind blows on us all. And that's a quote from Jim Rohn. Not Jim Rome, but Jim Rohn. R-O-H-N. Jim Rohn. Motivational speaker, author, sales genius. The same wind blows on us all. It's the setting of your sail which determines your outcome. Think about that. That's some deep shit. Life is relative. But what do you do about the things that happen to you? And you've heard this cliche in a lot of movies. What you do next is most important. How you react is most important. During these times, people are coming out. I don't see color. Black lives matter. Everybody lives matter, whatever. And the non-racist people say, I don't see color. You could be one of those people, but you're lying. Everybody sees color. It's what you do about the color that you see. That's what matters. That's how you process the color that you see. The same wind blows on us all. 
I've had a bad day. You've had a bad day. What I choose to do about my bad day determines my outcome. Same wind blows on us all. That's a Jim Rome style. The famous Jim Rome, like Rome, like Roma. Jaren594 asks, I just finished Ozark. What should my next Netflix binge be? Jaren, I don't know. I don't know what other streaming services you have. If you don't have, if you have HBO or HBO Max, or you're going to get the trial, I would say, just like I said on the last uh, podcast, check out True Detective. Check out Chernobyl. Those are really good. My wife's really into this Queen of the South on Netflix. It's pretty good. You can tell it's made for TV, network TV. It's violent, but it's only so violent. And then there's long, awkward pauses, which are meant for commercial breaks. She gets mad at me. Well, she says she's not mad at me, but she'll tell everybody, Jay doesn't really like it. Well, because I said it's just all right. It's just all right. It's not great. It doesn't suck. I could sit there and watch it, but I don't think I could sit there and binge watch it. And I'm not stuck to the TV. But she is, so it must be good. Last question. So Two Days Adventures asks, what weight and brand of blinker fluid do you prefer to use? I thought about this. I had to think long and hard about blinker fluid. But what you guys don't know, as soon as they implemented OBD2, which is 1997, I believe, not 96. So I I believe ODB2 started in 1997, 97 or 96. Up until that point, they used blinker fluid. And how you could tell if a car needed it or not is how fast the blinker was blinking at the stop sign. If it was really slow, it needed some. And if it was too fast, they probably used the wrong viscosity. But I think back in the day, the best ones were, I couldn't remember if it was either Pennzoil. It was either Pennzoil or Castrol. At first, they were using petroleum. And that's when it starts sticking and the blinkers would start blinking really slow. Because inside the blinkers, there's little actuators and gears about the size of that you would get in a, in a wristwatch. And that's what they had to keep lubed in order for the blinkers to work correctly. And I think it was, like I said, it was either Pennzoil or Castrol. Somebody came out and they started using silicone. And the silicone is what you use because that provided the optimum lubrication. And typically, a drop or two in each of the front blinkers, the rears never had it. That's ridiculous. It's always the front. A drop or two would last like a year unless you had some sort of a weather leak in your seals and it was getting exposed to a lot of the elements and maybe two or three times a year. I think about it like your garage doors. If you spray WD-40 on your garage door spring, that's the wrong thing to do. And that's the same thing as putting petroleum in blinkers because WD-40 is caustic. It eats away and, and breaks down. That's why you use it to loosen up rusty parts. You don't use it to lubricate. And on your garage doors, you use lithium grease, like white lithium spray. And so silicone is the same way. But thank God, I think it was, yeah, 1997 is when they stopped using blink fluid in cars. But I think back then, I forgot which brand it was, guys, but it was the one that had the, it was silicone-based blinker fluid. So make sure if you have an 80s car or early 90s car, when you take it to the shop, educate them. If you think that your light is blown out, go to AutoZone, go to O'Reilly's, go to local Pet Boys. Walmart might even carry it. And look for the vintage blinker fluid. Make sure you ask somebody for it. Make sure you tell them that your car is an OBD1 car or older. That's all we have for Q&A. One want to thank Hire Solomon from Higher Quality Detail for stopping by. I want to thank Wendy for spending some time to talk about her rental car. I want to thank Adam from Aladdin's Window Tent stopping by to educate us a little bit on 
some basic window tinting questions. Also want to welcome Kuya Automotive to the podcast. Thank you for the sponsorship. Congratulate NSX Channel for being the title sponsor. Trustedbolts.com, higher quality detail, last era brand motorsports clothing. Make sure you guys head over to Indiegogo and check out Gabe Hernandez and what he's doing with his comics. Give him a holla. Support. Support the man. If you want to reach us, hit us at hardrockingpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram at na2nsx or jtravels. That's J-H-A-E underscore travels. Hit us up on Facebook, Hard Parking Media. Twitter, Hard Parking Pod. Pick up some swag at the Teespring store. Hard Parking Podcast store. The link is in the description as well as the links to find all of our guests today. I can't grow unless you tell somebody how fantastic this podcast is. Let's do this. Let's grow this thing together. Shut up!